Hey team, welcome to the off-season. The off-season is an exploration of athletic health, recovery, and performance told through stories of athletes and their medical and training team. I hope you enjoy. Now for a quick but mandatory medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of naturopathic medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this material is at user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they may have and should seek assistance from their trusted healthcare professional for any condition. This podcast does not speak on behalf of naturopathic medicine and does not represent the views of the profession as a whole. Guys, episode four of the off-season. Today I'm sitting down with Antoine Mason. We go through so much stuff today. His headspace is absolutely amazing. Um, He's overcome a lot throughout his career. We talk about how um, the death of his father impacted him as a professional athlete. Um, We talk about his pre-game, during-game, and uh, post-game rituals. Uh, A lot about nutrition and kind of how he maintains his recovery process. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Awesome, Anton. Well, welcome to the off season. Um, how's your week going so far? Uh, it's, it's going well. Yeah. Getting some good news this week. So yeah, tell everyone what happened. Um, this week I broke the franchise record for Halifax Hurricanes, which was kind of surprising. I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of just mentioned it during the game and caught me off guard. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Were you just like, oh, holy shit, I didn't even know there was a record. I was close to it. Or? Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, I didn't know what the record was. Uh, I didn't know I was close. Nobody told me. They just started chanting my name after I finished the free throw. And it's like, all-time franchise leader record. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> just put my hands up and, you know, acknowledge the crowd. That's awesome. Uh, what game was it? What uh, day did you play? Uh it was two days ago against Moncton. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, why don't you start with like a little bit of your background, like where you grew up and um, what got you into basketball? Um, I'm from Queens, New York, and what got me into basketball was my dad, um, Anthony Mason. He was a professional NBA player for the Knicks, and I kind of grew up in the garden. I was, I always say I was born in the garden. Um, just. Being there when I was a little kid with my mom holding me, hearing my dad's name, um, always used to excite me. I used to smile. I didn't know what was going on when I was that young. But then as I started getting older, I started, you know, appreciating having a dad like that, um, having someone that special to go to games, uh, watch games, and then start loving this sport myself and then start, you know, picking his mind and you know cherishing the moments yeah definitely that's cool and then kind of growing up with basketball did you play any other sports or was it just kind of like there's no other option here no my parents put me through every sport besides basketball that was the last sport uh, they introduced me to but I always loved basketball Uh, since I was a little kid I always wanted like a basketball in my hand Um, and then at my grandmother's, um, they had like a Fisher Price hoop, <laughs> and I used to shoot it all the time. Like they try to put me through soccer, um, track, different different sports uh, besides football. Mm-hmm. They wasn't a fan of football, they but uh, save your brain, did they? Yeah, <laughs> but um, I always was like, no, I want to do this. I want to do this. So mm-hmm. they didn't want me to be forced into it. They didn't want it 
to be like, oh, you have to do it because your dad did it. So mm-hmm. that's so nice of them to do. Yeah. Hey? And all the research is coming out now for cross training or you know um, letting kids play a bunch of different sports before they hone in on you know the one that they're gonna mm-hmm. compete at. So that's cool that they were ahead of the game for all of yeah. that stuff. A lot of the hockey parents are just like, go 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 for <laughs> as long as you can. You know. Yeah. Um. So growing up in New York, like, I mean, you can't compare it to growing up here, but I mean, what was it like there? Uh, New York is fast, upbeat. Um, so having a famous dad was, you know, it was like a center of attention for myself. Uh, people used to ask me, oh, how does it feel to have a famous dad and everything? For me, he was my dad. So mm-hmm. I was like, uh, same as your dad. But then as I got a little older, I was like, all right, uh, he's in the spotlight. Like if he does something, he'll be in the news. And so, um, it kind of prepared me for, I guess, my career uh, without even knowing. And then obviously my mom kept me level-headed, made sure I had great grades, wouldn't let me play a sport unless I had like uh, all A's. It, it was it was tough growing <laughs> up, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, it was good. It, it got me, you know, mentally ready and always wanted to do great, always wanted to perfect whatever I did. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It sounds like they really cared about you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first sports, like, tell me a little bit about the progression of your career. Um, you know, when I was younger, I guess I was a little advanced uh, playing basketball, I would say, and then it hit a point where I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was tough um, because I, you know, grew up, in Queens, and then I moved to Westchester in the suburbs. So I was advanced uh, against like the suburb players, and then my dad was like, "No, you're going back to the city, playing against people that's you know advanced." And, and I was nine, playing against twelve year olds, and it was it was a rude awakening. Uh, it was faster, quicker, stronger, talk crazy, talk trash, um, and then I just kept trying to you know get better and better and then I always stand by this um you know through success or through like droughts or whatever I always remember when I looked at myself and said I'm the worst player on this team and I worked my way into being better than everybody on that team like it was like a a major accomplishment it was a couple of years after I stopped looking I was like I'm better than him, mm-hmm. I'm better than him, I'm better than him. And then my name start getting, you know, acknowledgement, not just as, oh, that's Anthony Mason's son. No, that's Antoine Mason, Anthony Mason's kid. So I always always liked that. I always wanted to be Antoine Mason, not Anthony Mason's son, Antoine Mason. So Yeah, that's awesome to make your own name for yourself yeah. too, hey? And then um, after that, like that was like middle school, growing up and then high school, I started to flourish. And um, I had like big offers from like big teams in the Big East, like uh, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall. And going into my senior year in the summer, I had a stretch fracture in my leg. So they kind of fell back and Niagara University was always there. There was a mid-major school, always there. Came to the practices and I got healthy before the season and I took off and um, they were always there, and then those schools that kind of fell off came back, but I already 
felt what type of vibe they were in. So I, I chose Niagara because the loyalty, when I took a visit, it wasn't a lot to do. And I said, that's what I need. I need to focus on school and ball. Mm-hmm. And um, my first year, I played three games. I was leading in scoring, but I had a stress fracture and um, had to sit out that year. So I learned a lot from the senior point guard. And um, then each year I just kept getting better and better and better. My junior year I led us, um, not just us, not uh, the conference, but I led the nation in scoring uh, with 25 points per game, 25.6 or something like that. And um, then I had that fifth year option transferred to Auburn University um in the SEC purposely did that because I knew I was playing against Kentucky which had all those NBA players and me and my dad used to talk about oh are you ready for it I was like of course I'm ready for it so um took that route um my first game I end up having a high ankle sprain I always blamed it on, on the armors <laughs> uh I was always a Nike guy and that was like the first time wearing an armor. So that's I was, so interesting. Yeah, I was yeah. so mad when I, I wasn't even mad at the guy that put his foot out when I was like going up for a layout. I was mad that I was wearing an armor. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you were thinking about the yeah, whole time. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was like my answer. I was like, these sneakers, ah, I was just mad. So I missed like six to eight games my senior season in the beginning. And I kind of like rushed back because it's my senior year. I didn't want to miss. Um, like the whole season and then I start getting into a rhythm. I mean, I had to get back in shape and then I started getting into a rhythm and playing really well. And that's when my dad got sick and that took a toll. It was unexpected. Um, he, like my parents, they were the parents that always came to games. Um, even if I was away, they always managed to find a way to get to the games and make sure they saw me. And my dad was really traveling that season um, for me, going back uh, back and forth from New York to Auburn. Um, he'll meet me at different games, same with my mom. And it's kind of crazy because the last time he was at Auburn, uh, all the time we usually work out after practice. And uh, he's usually the person that's working me out. And he had, like, the managers kind of do it. I should have, like, noticed something was off then. But um, I worked out. He's telling me what to do. And then afterwards, we sat down, and we was just talking about life. And he was like, 2015 is going to be the hardest year of your life. If you could get through this, you could get through anything. And I'm just thinking, all right, I'm coming off from my ankle injury. I'm going to get through this. It's my senior year. And then for him to get sick and pass, it was kind of like a foreshadowing. It was kind of crazy. Mm. And... um while he was sick through the hospital, I was going back and forth to games. And um, the one game that like everybody talked about was when I played Kentucky, when they had Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, Trey Lyles, Willie Collison, like six or seven first round picks, something crazy like that. Um, that was the game me and my dad always talked about, like, are you ready for it? And at that time, my whole mindset and everything was on my dad. I wasn't gonna leave his si- uh, bedside, but he looked at me and like started like shaking his head. No, like you have to finish the season. Mm-hmm. So that's the only reason I like continue to play in the season. But 
when I left um, to play Kentucky, it was like my mind says like if I left my dad's bedside, I have to perform, and I ended up scoring 29 points. It was like some all-time high against them. Um, and granted, we lost, but I played really well, and then he was able to watch it. My mom was calling me afterwards, and it was like a good moment. I came back, and um, he always used to tell me, like, stop standing out to the three. Stop shooting threes when you could attack and you have, like, an all-around game. And at that point, um, my head coach, Bruce Pearl, told me I was leading the SEC in three-point percentage. <laughs> So it was the perfect time to rub it in against my dad. So I get back there. Um, he's just smiling. He couldn't talk because he had a tube um, in his throat. So that was hard to see. But um, I'm talking to him. I was like, Dad, for somebody that you said can't shoot, I'm leading the SEC in three-point percentage with 44%. And he kind of shrugged, like, so what? And we just <laughs> all laughed. So, I mean. <laughs> It, it was tough through that time because mentally he was there, his body was just breaking down. And then once he's passed, like, my whole mind just blanked out. Like, I don't remember the end of the season. I know when we went to the SEC tournament, um, we played in the Final Four in the SEC tournament against Kentucky again, and I played well against them. But, like, it was the tough, like, you never want to lose somebody, especially somebody that important. Like, that's my best friend. Like, we talked about anything. Um, but it was, like, the worst timing because it was time to prepare for the NBA workouts and everything. And my mind was not into it. Like, I totally checked out from it. And um, How did you recover from that? Or how did you still show up sometimes despite... Uh, it was tough. Like, I was just going through the motions at, like, the times. And, like, especially during that period, um, I just wanted to, you know, just take a break from, like, life. Like, I didn't know what was going on. Like, my mind was not there. And it's kind of, like, I, I signed with an agent, and it didn't work out. Um, with him because he, I felt like he wasn't pushing me enough. Um, and then I signed with another agent and he kind of told me like, because after that, that period of workouts, I didn't get drafted. So now the G League, at the time it was the D League, um, they really wanted me to do it. But my first agent never gave me the papers to sign and they had like my face and everything as like one of the people to watch. And then it was like, they called me the day before, like, are you, are you trying to get drafted? I was like, yeah, I, I, I said, yeah. He was like, well, you didn't sign the papers. And that's when I had to let go of my first agent. And then my, I picked up an agent right then and there and had to like sign papers, but none of the teams knew I was entered in a draft. <laughs> so. I missed my opportunity on that year. So uh, my next agent made sure that I played somewhere, even though I wanted to take a break off, like just a mental break, but he was like, that's basketball suicide. So I went to Cyprus and I did well, but not as good as I could because my mind was still off. And I kind of fell in love with the game again when I came back here, my first year here in Halifax. Um, and, like, what made you fall in love with it again? It was just, I don't know, 
um, after Cyprus, I had like time to just take a little break and I was planning on just just sitting out, not touching the basketball, figuring out what I want to do with life. I was like, because I have my finance degree, I have my uh, master's in adult education, so I know like I'm set other places. So I was like, do I really want this? And I wanted to take a break from like, you know, basketball and it took like two or three weeks and I just had like that itchy feeling again and then it was like, all right, if you're going to do it, you got to dedicate yourself like you were um, fully. And, you know, that's why I started getting myself back into shape. I found the trainer because my dad was my trainer. Yeah. So yeah. it was um, found the trainer through some of his old coaches from the summer. Um, my trainer, Nate Brown. And then now I have two trainers, my trainer Nate Brown and my dad's old friend Herm. Um, so they're your they, crew now. Yeah, they're yeah. my crew, and awesome. it's kind of cool, you know. My <laughs> at first uh, Nate would say the first six weeks uh, or actually six months, <laughs> I didn't know if you liked it. He <laughs> said like I would I would do things and you would just not respond. Like you'll do the you know the workout without talking to me. So I was like. Does this kid, does he talk? He said, <laughs> now you won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> now you're back. Yeah, your mind's so, back. Yeah. Um, I really want to get into your training and talk about everything that you do to get back in shape and, and take care of your body. But um, I'm really curious too, for um, when you went off to Cyprus, like, do you think that was the right move? Or do you think if looking back, taking some time would have been the right move? Um, I mean, I feel like everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh like would that break of just staying home help me maybe but you know i don't know if i would have had like a better opportunity but um was it a good experience like you know i met friends that i would have never saw out there uh, that i still keep in touch with um getting that experience that exposure out there really helped me um Cool travel experience. Yeah, it, as was, well. it was a cool travel experience. I I love that that little island. It was like between uh, Greece and Turkey, and the weather was like really nice. So, um, what was the lifestyle like there? It was different. It was a lot of cats. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was like, why is there so many cats? But it was like the history is the island had a bunch of snakes and rats, so they used to tell people to bring cats just to clear out. All like, of those problems, yeah, and now the cats are yeah, the problem. Yeah, they like they're everywhere. <laughs> Anytime you're eating something, they're just like looking at you. And, you got any extra? Can I have? Yeah, it's, but that, that's a cool island. I wouldn't mind like going back to just visit. Like it, it was a really nice island. Yeah, and not that I know tons about basketball, but I don't really put like Cyprus and basketball together in my mind. Was yeah, it big there? Um, well, the country, yeah, they they love basketball. It was like a um, mid to yeah, like mid range of competition level in the basketball world. It was like a bridge to get to higher ranks. Um, so I mean, that experience, it it was something new to me. It was you know, coming from 
school to Cyprus by yourself and then obviously dealing with uh, grieving and everything was was different but um I take every experience and you know to my advantage yeah did you feel uh, like it was a pretty big growth process that happened there too mm-hmm. yeah. it definitely was it was something that I realized that I couldn't go through the motions mm-hmm. um that I'm not I wasn't at my best and I knew I could be better, so it was something that kind of, you know, kicked in my competitive nature, things that I guess I needed to start getting back to myself. Yeah. Um, so you had your dad as your trainer for so long, um, and now you have your new crew, which it sounds like you really like as well. Yeah. Uh, is there some pretty big differences in how you were trained? Um, well, I guess with my dad, um, obviously he knew me so well that he knew how to light a match <laughs> under me and he pushed me to the limit. Like uh, the year that I led the nation in scoring, all that process in the summer that we did was like when everybody was like, they were surprised of like the big leap I had from averaging 19 to 25 or whatever I was like. The, if y'all would have saw the work I put in with my dad, it was, I was handling single coverage, double teams. Uh, he was teaching me how to handle triple teams. He got me in shape where um, it was during the NBA lockout, so I was able to go to the Knicks facility, and he had me running on their court and training and doing a whole bunch of things. And it was supposed to be me and my cousin working out and me and my teammate from Niagara working out. Then my teammate from Niagara was there. Then he went back home and then my cousin starts uh, staying at home and not working out. So (laughs) it was just me. I was like, all right. So my dad still pushed me like as if it was three people on the court. And then um, I remember this one time. It was a hard workout. I'm tired, shooting free throws, had to make 10 in a row. And he was like, sprint. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> so I made then, my test. Yeah, so I'd sprint up and down. Then he was like, make two. And then he just kept making me do it. And I'm like dead tired. So now like I'm exhausted. And then he was like, all right, do it for your grandparents. And obviously I'm going to do it for my grandparents. Mm-hmm. So I'm pushing myself. So then he was like, do it for, like, he start, uh, do it for your grandma. Do it for your grandfather. Do it for your nana. And I'm just doing it. And then he was like, do it for your mom. Do it for me. And then he was like, do it for yourself. And at this time, I'm I'm thinking I'm running fast. But I know for a fact, like, it must have been slow motion because he was <laughs> laughing. But he saw that I was, like, pushing myself to the limit. And I kept making my free throws. And he was like, I put you through, like, the, the hardest workout. I, I know you're not going to quit. Like, I put you through that. I know for a fact you won't quit. So... Um, like going through that season and all the skill work that we did, I felt like nothing was gonna stop me. I was like, you know, if I had, if I was struggling, I was like reminding myself what I did in the summer. Like, all right, that's, it's, this isn't as worse as what I had to go through. So, um, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, you know, aside from just on the court basketball, did you do a lot of cross training? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I do a lot of 
different things now. Um, I call it boot camp, um, boot camp month or span during the summer where I'll get up at like five in the morning, set my alarm for five in the morning. And I'm one of those people that don't sleep. So I'll probably go to sleep at two or three and just. We should work on that. (laughs) (laughs) I know I need, I need to work on that. Um, And I'll wake up and I'll start um, running on the football field and doing like sprints on a football field time. And then I'll end up swimming afterwards. I'll do yoga and then I'll do like the basketball training with both of my trainers. So it's like five things and I'll be done by like three or four. How often (laughs) do you do that? It would be every day. Wow. Yeah. And it would get me to the point where my body is just primed and ready for it. Yeah. Um, Do you ever feel like you do too much? Yeah, I'll start taking it off, like, you know, start doing it every other day, like um, running on a football field every other day. But I usually do. I always this summer I kept in it doing yoga and swimming and then I'll do like the football field every other day just so it doesn't wear and tear on my body and then the skill work every day. Yeah. Do you feel like you need um, cues from people to tell you that you're doing too much or can you feel it? Oh, I could feel it now. Um, I think what really helped me was the process of doing yoga, um, doing Brickham yoga and vinyasa, kind of just finding what my body feels like and able to, um, you know, test, all right, can I do this? Can I do that? My range of motion and that. And then I actually have... um, uh, introduced by Tobias Harris who plays with the Sixers we have the same trainer with Nate um he introduced me to these uh physical therapists uh Mike and Anthony and um I started seeing them this summer and you know they helped me with certain things that I would tell them what's wrong with my body and Mm. they had me go through a couple of things um at first they would do like you know, the massage part, and then that had me do an active recovery, and it really helped. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah there's so many um, things out there for athletes now that, you know, stuff we've never even heard of before. Yeah. Just one session, you're like, holy shit, that changed my game, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what about the actual recovery process? So on a day off, I think a lot of times for athletes, we think bigger, stronger, faster, like push yourself as far as you can to that absolute level. And it sounds like now you've kind of honed the skill of listening to your body a mm-hmm. little bit more. Um, on rest days, is there anything specific that you do to take care of yourself? Uh, I'll see Mike and Anthony, and then I start doing a little cryotherapy. Mm. And We just got a new cryo center here too, didn't we? Really? Yeah, there's a, I can't remember, I think it's in Halifax. Oh, I got to do it then. But yeah, uh, I start doing that and it felt good. And, um, you know, I guess the active recovery was yoga, mm-hmm. um, you know, stretching out and making sure my body is in good motion. Um, Any breath work stuff that you do? Breath work? Yeah. Um, or just at yoga? Just at yoga. Yeah. And then, you know, reading and watching film on, like, some NBA players like Dwayne Wade. Uh, 
I know all the stuff of my dad, but Dwayne Wade, um, MJ, Michael Jordan, and Kobe, um, like how they dealt with things, especially Wade was like my my size. Um, so I look at him as like, what does he do? We kind of have a similar style and he always fell on the ground and get up and he had a lot of things that he has to do um, to get ready. So I looked at that. Kobe, uh, rest in peace, a freak of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, worked hard, but always knew how to recover and get the best out of his body. And same with MJ, obviously they, the GOAT, they consider the him the GOAT, yep. So yeah. um, just watching Would you watching agree with that, that he's the GOAT? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I hated him when I was a little <laughs> kid because of you know, my dad, him and my dad's rivalry mixed bulls. Mm. So <coughs> growing up, it wasn't a lot of talk about MJ. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't wear his sneakers. Uh, it was actually funny. Um, I had a Space Jam theme party and um, they brought the cake and it had bugs and it had MJ. And my dad just played MJ in the playoffs and got eliminated. So. I'm about to blow like out my candles <laughs> and whatever, and he just X'd out his face. <laughs> so then I X'd out his face too. So I'm like, we don't like him. But um, later on, I start seeing my dad wearing like Jordans. I was like, oh, I always, I was like, I always like you know his sneakers, but I, I you know, I, I'm Team Mason. So if you're not gonna wear it, I'm not gonna wear it. But he stopped wearing Jordans, so I stopped wearing Jordans. Um, but yeah. I always respected his game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, How did um, Kobe's death affect you? It kind of, you know, brought me back to home, like thinking about my dad. And yeah. it's crazy. Like, it was right after playing a game, we were like shaking hands. And I don't know how one of their players knew or whatever. I guess somebody that was sitting out wasn't playing, suited up, like, saw his phone and. And like we're going through the huddle, and they're like Kobe passed away. Like Kobe died. And I was like Kobe who? Like I'm not thinking Kobe Bryant. It was like Kobe Bryant in a helicopter crash. I was like, are you kidding me? So like soon as I thought of that, I was like, I wonder how Gigi is. I was like, I hope Gigi wasn't with him because like they're always with each other. And I was like, that reminded me of me and my dad. We were always with each other. And I was like. If she wasn't with him in that helicopter, I don't know how she's gonna, like, cause it took me a long time. And I was like, they were like hip to hip and to find out he was going to her practice. And like, I, I don't know, it, it just brought me back to like home. Like, and then tomorrow would be this crazy five year anniversary of my dad passing. Wow. So um, yeah, like this month, February, a tough month for me. Um, I always have like sporadic moments, and I I know like I know. So I just talk to my like when I'm feeling that way. I just talk to my mom because I know she's going through it as well. So we kind of just cope and help each other out during this month. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild, and mm-hmm. especially like something to happen so close to the anniversary of your dad's death. Yeah, and, and for Kobe, like I'm I'm not even I don't even know a lot about basketball, but I think it hit the nation, the world so hard. You yeah, know? It, it definitely, like, I didn't know, like, I always, uh, like, Kobe was somebody that I watched, 
wasn't like my favorite player, but I always watched him and it reminded me of MJ and I was like, wow, he looks just like MJ. He does like a lot and I've respected his game as well. And I forgot how much of an impact he actually had towards the world. Like he, he felt like a family member to, to me, like, and a lot of people, it was like, I saw the process of like, you know, rookie season, just growing up, like through the, you know, the years, like obviously when he came into the league, what it was, I like four or five or whatever. So it wasn't really until like, I got a little older just seeing him from transitioning to the Afro Kobe to cutting his hair to changing his number and just developing and growing and maturing. It was like we saw his whole process of life growing and growing up and then afterwards and enjoying coaching. So it kind of like hit everybody and he impacted a lot of people from the mama mentality Mm -hmm. where you could approach it in sports or in life, like um, just, you know, overcoming things. And a lot of people use that to, you know, as an everyday thing, everyday thing in life to- Survive. Yeah, survive. Mm -hmm. I was talking to my buddy Meech last night and he was saying the exact same thing you were, like when Kobe entered the league at what, I think 18 was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he was saying like, I grew up with him. Like it was like a brother that I was watching in in, um, the league and like everything, it made it possible kind Mm -hmm. of. He's like, I've never met him. I never even would have had the chance to meet him, but like he was part of my family. Yeah, I was was actually lucky to see him a couple of times um, during the years like of my dad's career. I guess they was playing the Lakers at some point and after the game I met him like maybe a couple of times and then my dad was an all-star in 2001 so I was around everybody then so you know I didn't like personally like talk to like oh Kobe but like I met him a couple of times so you know it's it hit home for everybody yeah Yeah. definitely it did um is there things that your dad said to you that you will kind of like take on in sport forever? Like, do you have these sentences that run through your head? Oh yeah. I have so many memories, so many, like I have voicemails and things like that. Thank God that I very appreciative that I kept them. And, um, like, you know, it's, it's just certain things that he said to me, like, um, in any situations, it was like, uh, don't quit um if you got to do something do it do it to your fullest um um a lot of funny things as well but um i don't know it's it's, some things just click during the time um um it's it's funny yeah (laughs) it's 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 a couple like my dad was so silly so like for somebody six eight and massive you would think like and how he played was like mean whatever but and you knew him he always joked around Mm -hmm. always joked around but it was like after games uh, that was like a special thing that's that i really miss after games i always uh called him and we talked about how i did or if he was there we would talk about it but after games if they were my parents were home he lives like Right, like he would lay in the bed right here. The phone would be right next to him. 
The house phone would be right next to him. My mom's right there next to him. I would call the house phone. He would not pick up the phone. My mom would reach across him and pick up. I'm like, hey, you know your dad just ignore you. And, <laughs> and he would be in the background. If he wanted to talk to me, he will call me on my cell phone. I'm like, <laughs> it's the house phone. It's for everybody. Like, So I had to personally call him on his cell phone <laughs> to talk to him. And I would talk to him, and he would tell me the things I did bad, um, what I needed to, you know, do well, um, the things that I did do well with, and, uh, like, start cracking jokes and everything. And he'd be like, oh, oh, yeah, call your mom. <laughs> he wouldn't pass her the phone, the cell phone, but he would tell her, so then I'm calling the house phone. Or <laughs> I, if I knew it was late, I would call her first. And he was like, hey, you can hear him in the background. Why you want to call her? And I was like, because I know you're not going to sleep. Like, he stayed up, too. Like, I think that's where I got it from. Mm -hmm. He would stay up all the time. Like, that, the summer workouts that I had with him, I was like, he's trying to set me up for failure because he was like, Twani, let, let's stay. Let's watch a movie. We love watching movies together. So we'll be up until, like, 4 or 5, and I'm like, I need to go to sleep. All right, let's go to sleep go to sleep, I go to sleep at five, all of a sudden he's in my room within an hour. You ready? <laughs> ready for what? It's time to work out, so. Oh my gosh, yeah, it defies what... everything I know about, <laughs> you <laughs> so, know, performance. Yeah, I know, so. And I keep learning that, like everyone I talk to has this innate thing, and I don't know if it's that athletic mentality or drive that you just overcome, you know, like mm -hmm. you should be sleeping. I, I know for me, if I, if I didn't get enough sleep or I felt like I needed to do, like, I should have been sleep or something, and I have, like, a game, and I didn't get, I feel like everybody knows that I didn't go to sleep, so I have to perform better, mm -hmm. because if I don't, I feel like everybody knows that I didn't go to sleep, so I don't know, it just triggers me and makes me more alert, like, all right. You're locked in. You have to do it. You have to do it. Like, you can't have an off game. <laughs> you almost, like, push yourself yeah, double time. Yeah, even more. Um, what about nutrition? How important is that? Oh, it's, it's very important. And I'm, like, you know, I've been learning about it more and more. And, um, like, you know, when you're younger, you could eat whatever. Oh, and, yeah. and for me, like, people always call me, like, a freak of nature because they're, like, you eat so much or you eat whatever you want and you still have abs, you still this and that. But now I'm learning, all right, what, what makes me feel better? Like I'm learning certain things don't, you know, make me feel as top performance as I, I could be. And then in the summer when I'm training with Nate, with Tobias, an NBA player, has that that knowledge of what they're doing. Like obviously he has a personal chef and everything. That's nice. Perks, yeah. yeah, perks <laughs> of being an NBA player. But, I mean, his nutrition, the stuff that he eats and stuff, he always talking about it. And What's he saying? Like, what are the, some of the tips that he gives you? Oh, he's, he's bringing, like, his fruit rolls and <laughs> his, like, different type of things he's eating. I'm like, one, I don't even know how to pronounce that. <laughs> so I don't, even, I don't even know what that is. But, you know, I start learning about it and start doing my own thing. Um like it was just ash wednesday yesterday so i gave up pork and beef which i don't eat a lot of but i know during the time of lent just eliminating that um 
is going to make me feel better. And then I'll do like a 12 hour fasting of whatever my last meal is, then 12 hours from that. And um, I actually, what was it? My second season with Halifax, I didn't do beef, pork, like candy, soda. Like uh, I eliminated a lot of things and I felt so fresh, like just eating fish and chicken and just felt so fresh and rejuvenated that that one time, like once it was over Easter, our coach made us dinner and he had like beef and all types of stuff. I was like, do I really want that? And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna have a little bit. Once I ate that, I had the itis. Like I was so tired and I was like, wow, it really does affect your body. That's when I start learning more like, all right, this really does affect your body, especially if you haven't had it in a while. And I have a cousin that hits me up every single day. I'm pretty sure he's gonna message me somehow, some way today about being a vegan. <laughs> he became a vegan and always talking Big about fan it. Of it is he? <laughs> oh my goodness. I sending me facts every single day about I'm like, leave me alone. Like <laughs> stop sending me this. But I you know, I get it. You know, this this his lifestyle is the choice. It has some good things, yep. some bad things, like everything has. But I'm I'm one that I always ate vegetables and things like that. Especially like my mom, she would make a whole bunch of things, but always had vegetables, always and made sure that I I ate it. So it's kind of funny. I still do it to this day. Uh, if anybody watched me eat, I would eat my vegetables first. Just just to get over it, <laughs> but that. I mean, I like I like I like them, but I still like to this day. It's just like one of those things that you better eat your vegetables. So I used to always eat them first, and get them out the way. But um, yeah, um, I try to not do as much fast food. Mm -hmm. um, this season, I've been going to the grocery store like every day and cooking, unless we're on a road or. Unless we had a late game and I forgot to cook and then I have to get something to eat. But, yeah, I've been, like, eliminating a lot of fast food, a lot of junk food. and Yeah, and especially after knowing, like, you know, taking out the heavy hitters for you made such a difference. Mm -hmm. um, is that, like, not motivation enough to go back to it or is it? No, I mean, I I still, like, even when I'm not in Lent, I don't go crazy with yeah. it, like, that's why I don't think I have to like really eliminate it because it's not one of those things like oh I'm always eating it it's just maybe I may have it and if I'm really craving something like yeah. that but it's it's very rare for me to just like eat all that and I'll always mess with my cousin like the one that's vegan because he'll send me all that stuff I'm like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I might post something of like <laughs> Big fish or chicken <laughs> yeah just send it to him just just to mess with him that's hilarious yeah. yeah and i think too like um there's such a difference between what an athlete you know training at your level could potentially stomach versus you know the rest of us who are just sitting at our desks all day so mm -hmm. um i think there's a little bit more lenience or you can kind of ever so slightly get away with more but i love that you said you actually notice a difference with when you eat clean and when you mm -hmm. um take care of your body like how much more performance optimization you're going to get out of yeah. that yeah that's cool um yeah so like where are you going next or what's going to happen next for you 
Um, well, my goal is always to make it to the NBA. That's been my goal since I was a little kid. And I think this is just making the stepping stones of getting to where I need to go. So, I mean, becoming a leading scorer of a franchise is a huge accomplishment. Um, leading the nation, I mean, leading the league in scoring right now is a huge accomplishment. And just keep getting better. Um, um, I talked to my favorite cousin, Keith. Um, we talk every day. And, you know, he was like, I feel like we should be at like a higher place in like our positions of life. And I was like, I believe that too, but you can't get frustrated with what you want. Like, you know, you can't look into the future and just get, you know, frustrated. You got to just keep working. So for me, it's just keep working at, uh, like, you know, take it day by day, try to get better. And whenever that opportunity come, be ready for it. Yeah, so, definitely. you know, I, I like we had today off and I'm waking up at 6.30 to go to yoga and didn't have the team van, <coughs> but I took a cab and uh, went to yoga and I just walked back. I just, I knew if I walked there, I was probably gonna be late. So I took the cab and then walked back and um, just doing everything extra to make sure that I'm in top shape. And like you said, one of the things that my dad said, he always said, um, when you're playing a game, you have to give it y'all because you never know. It could be the first time somebody sees you, and you want to make that uh, like first impression on them, like mm -hmm. a great impression. You don't want to have an off game or be like, "Oh, I'm hurt." And like yesterday, we had a game, and that it was from a back to back. And after Wednesday's game, no, after Tuesday's game. Um, afterwards, my back kind of just got really tight, and <laughs> it was actually funny. I, I was laying on the ground like late, and my teammate, my uh, roommate, looks at me like, "Are you all right?" I said, "No, I'm hurting right now." But um, I text the trainers like, "I need treatment." Blah blah blah, and like in my mind, it was like, "All right, are you gonna?" mentally say, all right, I'm going to get over it and be ready for the game, or are you going to just have it in your mind like, oh, are you going to play, are you going to play? And it's, you know, if you choose whichever one, you're both right. Yep. So um, I told myself, like, all right, I'm definitely going to be able to play. Like, even though I'm, my back's tight, everything's tight, I'm going to find a way to get myself there. And, you know, thank God for the treatment. Um, that worked and then I always take a, a hot shower before the game and that loosened up my body and I end up having a really good game. Um, and on top of that, I'm having a good game and then, you know, I'm worried about my back and then I actually roll my ankle <laughs> during the game, like coming off a screen, somebody's foot and I like twisted it bad. And it's it's kind of funny because all the pain that I thought I had in my back went to the ankle. I could not even feel my back. My back felt amazing after that. And I actually, uh, it was what, two minutes left of the first half. I walked off. It took me a while to walk off. I didn't, like, the first initial pressure on my ankle wasn't good. But then eventually I was able to walk off. 
and then I got it taped and I told myself I said you got to play you got to continue to play and I end up you know having a really good game 30 points five assists four rebounds and it was just no big deal <laughs> <laughs> it was just you know mind over matter it was things that I guess developed since I was young like mm -hmm. my dad just pushing me and you know always challenging me and I've always been that that kid I guess me being the, the youngest um, I had a, I have an older brother um, different moms but like I was always the younger one and always had to prove myself and I don't know I, I was just always competitive I, I've been competitive since since whenever yeah. and I always wanted to be the best so I always pushed myself do you want to walk us through like that head space a little bit because um, there's that fine line between like putting yourself at more risk versus mm -hmm. you know playing through something and how do you make that decision I'm sure trainers are like gonna give you a little bit of insight but oh it's yeah still you um know. for me I always <laughs> I'm always one that may take the risk and I you know as I over the years start thinking about it like is it worth it doing certain things but my initial reaction like when i messed up my ankle um in auburn the first first game it was a high ankle sprain like my ankle literally turned and hit the court and like came back oh. and yeah it was bad and they, under armor god damn it yeah <laughs> i was so mad yeah. and um you know, I got up and I was walking off and they was gonna like take me to the locker room. It was probably, I don't know, maybe six minutes left or maybe a little longer. And they was gonna take me to the locker room rapid and like sit me out. And like in the middle of like limping, walking, I just got pissed off and I was like, no, no, I'm back on the court. And my dad was like, you better get that tape. And my mom, she's a nurse. So, you know, she's always taking the safe side. You better do that. I'm like, no, I'm good. And I was like, coach, just put me back in. I just limped and fought through it. And of course, my mom, you probably made it worse, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, if if I think I, I could do it, mm -hmm. then I'm going to do it. Like, obviously, if it's like terrible, you, you got to be smart about it which I'm not really You're probably not. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not Just the person yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like when I had the stretch fracture in my leg mm -hmm. I didn't know I had a stretch fracture in my leg mm -hmm. and I kept playing on it and then I it just won't heal right yeah but I didn't I ju the only reason I knew something was wrong was the fact I couldn't jump mm -hmm. but everything else my game started going <laughs> up to another level and I was so like till this day I still talk to my mom like I lost a championship because of you, because <laughs> I went to the doctor. She was like, you need to check this out. So, so I went to the doctor and, you know, they took x-rays and everything like that. So I'm like, all right, they're not going to, I had a championship game that day. I was like, they're not going to find anything out until tomorrow or they're going to call tomorrow. They literally called my mom like maybe 30 minutes before the game and she was like, no, you have a stress fracture. You can't play. I said, I had a stress fracture yesterday, yeah. the day before. <laughs> let me just finish this game. Let me play this game. And she would not let me, and we lost, and I was so mad. But, I mean, For anything, your long-term game. Yeah, right? anything could have happened, so I'm happy about that. And then my freshman year, 
I probably had a stress fracture in my foot before the first game mm-hmm. because I know, like, I didn't know I was going to start. I started every game in college. And it's funny because in the preseason games, I never started. So I would, it caught me off guard. They were saving you. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, so the first game, I knew I was going to start. My whole family, well, most of my family was coming from a, taking a charter bus all the way to the game, like from New York City to Niagara um, on the U.S. side. So that's like a seven-hour bus ride, something like that. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to have my family here, blah, blah, blah. The game's probably at 7. I go into the gym at like 4.35, full workout, just nervous. <laughs> so I'm like in a full workout just trying to figure something out. And then like everybody's coming in like, dang, why are you, why are you sweating so much? And like, you know we have a game, right? I was like, yeah, I know, but I was so nervous. And when I was working out like probably 30 minutes before the game, it felt like a foot cramp, and I was like, I never had a foot cramp. Like, what is it? What is it? But I ignored it. It was sore a little bit. Then the second game, um, we played Georgia Tech, and they had Iman Shumpert. That's a funny story, too. Uh, I could get into that, I guess, a little bit. Um, it was <laughs> we were doing a scouting report, and they're going over, like, everybody in the scout. And this was my, one of my coaches' first year coaching. So he goes through everybody, blah, 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 blah. And then he was like, Iman Shumpert, one word, beast. If you, if you dribble right, he would take it from you. If you dribble left, he would take it from you. He has a Kobe uh, Jordan post-up game. Uh, he's an assassin. He's a shark uh, that smells blood. He scored 30 against Duke, blah, 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 like just going on and on. And I'm looking at everybody. Like he went through like, oh, this person, oh, you got him. Listen, so I said, I'm the last person. I have to guard him. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like. And it's like, your coach building him yes, up? Yes, that's oh, what no. I'm saying. It was my coach building, like, it was my assistant coach building him up. Like, he's a shark. If you dribble right, he'll take it from you. You dribble left. So I'm like, what am I supposed, like, in my mind, like, I'm always, the, like, the most confident person. Like, nobody can go. I'm like, like, how he built it up. It's the second game of my college career. How am I supposed and, to get yeah, this? I'm like, yo, what is. I'm like, why is he not in the NBA? Like, if he's doing all this. And I actually, it was funny. My parents called me, are you ready for this game coming up? I was like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, try to sound confident. And my mind was like, if I, I'm just thinking all the stuff he's saying. I was like, this is crazy. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But I was like, all right. If he's this type of defender, I watch scout, um, the scouting report. If he's this, I got to do that. And I actually had a good game. I, had, uh, I led us with 21. But the second half of the game, I was limping, like, dramatically limping. Like, I couldn't really put pressure on my foot. But I kept playing through it, powered through it. And then the third game, it was just a little rest. I said, I'll be all right. Third game I played, um, like, I went baseline, laid it up. And it was funny because one of my friends was like, uh, stood up, yeah, Twan, yeah, Twan, and I'm running back. And then I felt my foot again, and I fell. And he was like, I could hear him. He's like, yeah, Twan, where'd he go? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sliding on the ground. And it's funny, and I got up, and I kept playing on it until, like, it really, like, felt like a, a knife went through my foot. I asked my coach for a sub. I never asked for a sub. 
and he was he looked at me like weird and you know me being the leading scorer for us as a, a, a freshman he was like are you ready are you ready and I'm like yeah just put me in I'm punching my foot trying to figure out what's going on and I was used as a decoy pretty much like they were so like into try to stop me and we actually won that game and I didn't even really get a chance to celebrate because I hopped off and I put my foot in a bucket and my dad was at that game and my mom was at that game and they was like, no, you need to check this out, blah, blah, blah. And I took an x-ray, nothing showed up. I want to say I took an MRI, nothing showed up. It, it was until I did a uh, bone x-ray, uh, a bone scan um, later on because I missed like a couple of games in a boot. and still couldn't put pressure on it. And then they did a bone scan and the nurse walks in and was like, oh, you have a stretch fracture and walks out. Excuse and, me? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like by myself and just in deep thought, like, I'm like, what? Uh, what, <laughs> what am I supposed to? And then the doctor came in and explained everything. But yeah, that that was pretty much. And stress fractures are brutal, right? Like you just have to rest it. Yeah, it's there's really nothing you could do. Yeah. And yeah, I was in a boot for eight weeks. Yeah, it's such a long duration of time, and people don't um, expect that either. It's like, you know, as you had said, two imagings missed it, and it's such a minute thing, but um, it causes so much pain. Yeah. And, so, and, like, literally all you can do is rest it. There's really not much And else. then it was cold, and I aggregated out year. It snowed so much. So I'm in a boot. I had to double socket. It was annoying. <laughs> then I had my coach longest stretch fracture in uh history <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. yeah <laughs> every time yeah every time we like that year we struggled we had five freshmen and not a lot of we had one senior so you know we were young we was the youngest team in the country at that point and it was just so happened uh you know we struggled obviously we took our you know our licks and my coaches every time he sees me Longest stress fracture in America. <laughs> oh, Jesus, they just walk past. I'm like, what do you want me to yeah, do? Yeah, like, right? what do you want me to do? But, imagine my bone healing faster. Yeah. That's pretty well it. Hey? And then it was probably like two weeks left of the season where I could have possibly came back. But I knew I was, I said, I haven't walked like normally in like eight weeks. Yeah. Like, so I was like, I talked to my mom. She was like, no. Mm -mm. My dad said, no, don't waste a year. And, you know, my coach wanted me for the the playoffs, but I didn't I didn't play and it was a good decision because when I first came back, my first workout, the assistant the first year assistant coach that made Iman look uh, sound like he was a <laughs> god, uh had worked me out and had me doing all footwork stuff and all the I'm coming back from an ankle injury. I mean, not an ankle injury, a foot uh, stretch, fresh, fresh, oh gosh, stress <laughs> fracture. And he has me doing all this skill work and all this and getting mad because I'm not at the top of my game. Yeah. I'm like, bruh, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Yeah. Oh, you're not gonna work hard? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave. And he walked off and he thought like I was gonna like leave because he left. I kept working out. I was like, I'm going to get my foot together. Yeah. So it was kind of funny because he's like mid, like he thought like his walk off was going to make me walk off. So he, he's mid walk off and then he turns around and sees me working out. 
well, well, we might as well just. I was like, <laughs> yeah, going. like, yeah. I was like, this man's crazy, but it's hilarious. Um, yeah, and that's the thing too. It takes like two or three weeks before muscles start to atrophy too. So the your calf muscles, like mm-hmm. even all the muscles in the foot, and like being in that cramped position of the boot the whole time, um, like that goes pretty high up your leg, right? Yeah. So all of the muscles change, and all of that movement is so key to. And just mentally too, yeah. like, it took me that whole red shirt freshman year the next year. I wasn't my. I'd played like well enough to get um, like in the freshman of the year thing, um, but mentally I wasn't like I was nervous. Like I did not want that pain. Like yeah, like the stress fracture in my my leg, I didn't feel. Mm-hmm. Stress fracture in my foot, I I really felt, and I did not want that pain anymore. And. Like it took a, it took that whole year for me to like get over. Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen again. It's almost like the fear avoidance that kind of sets in mm-hmm. with things. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have like a pre-game, during game, and after game ritual? Yeah. Um, Are you comfortable sharing? Yeah. It? Okay. Cool. Of course. <laughs> um, well, in the mornings I'll wake up, and um, cook breakfast or What's whatever your breakfast? it's usually well recently it was like eggs grits if y'all know what grits are um and maybe something like you know since it's game day like a toaster strudel or a Ooh. waffle yeah <laughs> like you know do you put the icing design oh, in any? Of course, yeah. of course. You you gotta you know have fun with it. <laughs> I hate when I open it too much and yeah. then it just comes out. I'm like, now I can't draw anything. Yeah, I can't do anything. But <laughs> yeah, um, I'll have like a breakfast. Usually, like try to have a big breakfast, and, um, and then we'll have our walk through, and then um, after the walk through, I take a shower, I put on like what I'm gonna workout in when I get to the gym early and then we'll have pregame meal and then we get to the house and then we go back then I work out and then um what does your pregame meal look like there's usually alfredo just simple nothing nothing crazy like fettuccine alfredo Mm -hmm. no way yeah does that not sit in your stomach no 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 oh that's good yeah I mean it's so like I guess we eat it at like one mm-hmm. and the game is at seven so it doesn't you yeah. digest a lot yeah then. yeah so um yeah i'll work out and then i may get a massage or whatever but i always have to take a shower before the game and a hot shower yes yeah interesting. a hot shower before the game have you ever tried a cold one before the game uh no no. no. Don't want to mess with tradition. Nah, no, 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 no. And then I'll I'll listen to music. Um Do you have some go to songs? I'll listen to Michael Jackson. It's funny. <laughs> like I told I told my parents, I was like, I have some of the best games where I'm listening to like old school slow jams. Like I'll listen to like Patty LaBelle. I'll listen <laughs> to like like you think, you know, my team is listening to like rap, all this. And I was like, that that sometimes gets me too hyped before the game where the game could, like, be slow or whatever. And I tell people, I said, if I could listen, if I could sing a song while playing, 
teams are in trouble because <laughs> I'm in a whole different world. I'm singing to like a whole melody and whatever. You're probably looser too. Oh yeah. yeah, like so I listen to Michael Jackson a lot. TLC, my favorite girl group. Uh, I'll listen to um, any song in particular. No, uh, I, l- I love all their music. Um, and it <laughs> it's funny, like I, now I have like some of my teammates just they know what I'm listening to, so they'll start laughing. Um, <laughs> I'll listen well Beyonce. I'll listen to Beyonce. I'll listen to, like I said, Patti LaBelle, Al Green. I Isley bro I listen to like classics and it it really you know just gets me gets me there. Nice. And do you have one song that you play like right before you go out or? Mm, I used to. Well, I guess I still do. Um, either Nas, I know I can, or uh, R. Kelly, even though yeah. <laughs> He's but got some stuff. Yeah, he has some stuff. But I, music-wise, he's yeah. a genius. But uh, World's Greatest, yeah. I'll listen to that, and that that gets me there. And that was actually my dad's, like, go-to song. Uh, if he listened to a song, he usually, uh, like, read the Bible or read a book uh, before the game. But his go-to song was, like, The World's Greatest by R. Kelly. And he was like, you need to listen to it. And he's funny like big ego type of thing so i was like yeah i listen to nas i know i can like i said you need to listen to, i was like you can't just make me force me to do what you want me to do but yeah but you know i listened to the song so much in his car that i was like oh, i actually like this song so i listened to it, it into yeah you kind of. yeah nice and then during the game are you just like in on a different planet kind of like are you uh i've been reading what was the book it's uh i don't know if i have i might have it like the picture of the book but i've been reading a book it's all about just the mindset of finding the zone um my friend wayne gave it to me he brought it for me and i I was just reading it and it kind of just finding the zone just breathing being in a moment so is it specific to athletes or just uh it's for athletes but it's just in general mm-hmm. um it's i forgot the guy's name he he um worked with the bulls he worked with um the lakers he pretty much worked with phil jackson and everything and he started off as like um an athlete i think i know the book you're talking about was he on like joe rogan or something too or I think so. I'm I'm mad that I don't remember the the name of the book. Yeah. You can send it to me and then I'll tell uh, everyone yeah. about it. Um but yeah, just reading it kind of like helped me like just open my mind about things of all right, being in a moment, can't worry about the next shot, you can't worry about the next possession, you have to focus on that. You can't focus on the previous thing mm-hmm. and um I hit a game winner at St. John's and I was reading a book and it was just talking about breathing, like trying to, if you could focus on your breathing, like that's the struggle that people have. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was a tie game. Uh, They just tied it, they was talking crazy, their fans are going wild. And I actually said something to one of their fans that was next to her, I was like, Wow, they did all that just to lose. 
That's exactly <laughs> what I said before, stepping on the court. <laughs> and stepping on the court, I was like, all right, don't get so high. Don't get, like, you know, sporadic. And I was like, just breathe. And I was just took a deep breath, cleansing breath. And then the play happened, and I hit the game winner. That's awesome. And, like, for me, it was like, wow, all right, that actually worked because I knew what I had to do. But some people, you know, may get so excited mm -hmm. that they know what they have to do, but they might just overdo it or whatever. And just that for me to just breathe and just focus on what I needed to do, like it just seemed like rhythm, like, all right, just get the ball. Yeah. It's just such a take the step. Yeah. Shoot it. Like, yeah, it was it kind of slowed down everything slowed down so yeah it's such like a transferable skill too like i mm -hmm. talk about this in office with everyone like we're all living you know the most fastest paced life we possibly can yeah. um, and i'm really convinced that if we can control our exhale or the breath that um, we can control every situation or every response to stress that we have so mm -hmm. the fact that you said that uh, all patients listening like i'm not the only one <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's huge that's awesome um and then post game it sounds like you and your dad had a really good vibe like you guys mm -hmm. would chat about it you'd um get some like tender loving criticism I yeah. <laughs> it sounds like yeah um and go over the good things do you have someone now that um you shoot the shit with after a game yeah my mom yeah uh, well uh, you know still with her but it was more like with my dad it was more detailed obviously because mm -hmm. he's a basketball player so mm -hmm. he could do the insight it's actually crazy the last time i talked to him um was against LSU and for me personally like you know I scored 29 against Kentucky and blah 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 but I felt like the LSU game was probably by far my best game my senior year I think I had what 24 eight rebounds like six assists or five steals like I like I did everything and it was kind of funny because um, I was playing well and then they sub me, and my dad knows everybody, all the coaches know me. So he's talking, "Why would y'all take him out?" I was like, <laughs> so after the game, I hit a, a a big shot to like put us up to seal the game, and um, I look at my phone, and my dad texts, "Hey, if they're mad at you, it's my fault." I'm like. <laughs> Oh no! What? What did you do? So then I called him and I stopped laughing. I was like, "What did you do?" He like, "Nah, you know, I was just a little frustrated that they took you out, blah blah." But they put you back in. I text him, "You know, it's all love. We're all family. We can say what we want." Blah blah blah. But um, like I said, he usually say the negatives at first and then the positive and whatever. So he's talking to me. He was like, "I'm, I'm pissed off." Cause I can't even say anything bad. Like he was like, "It's about time." What were you waiting on? You did this. You did that. You did this. He's like, "I'm mad. I can't say. I can't say like you. You did anything wrong." Well, well, you might have dribbled to the left instead of right. Like he was just joking like that. But he was like, "Nah, I, I can't say anything. You balled out. Like you did everything." So the last time I talked to him about my game, it was he said I had the perfect game. So what that feel like? It it felt good. Yeah. It felt good. It was it was like one of those moments where I shut him up. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. It was um it was another time. Uh I, I guess I didn't really shut my parents up at this moment, but I told them uh it was my junior year. 
um, with Niagara, my red shirt uh, junior year. And I said, against this one team, because we played them the year before, uh, against Brown the year before, and I felt like that that game changed our whole season because we were up, and then they came back, and we had, like, like everything was negative. Like, everything bad happened when they, brought, like, came back to the game. And that kind of changed our season. After losing to the uh, to Brown, we, like, went on, like, a crazy streak or whatever. So um, and that was my junior year, and I see that we're going to play Brown again. And I was like, wow, that kind of changed our season. So I called it out before. I said, I'm going to have a big night. I'm going to score 40 against them or whatever. And my parents like, yeah, okay. Like at that time before the season even started, it was like you didn't even you scored what thirty maybe two times in your career uh, in college. So yeah, okay, whatever. Going big. So yep. And like that year, I started off the season with thirty four, and then it just kept going. And here comes Brown, and I said I'm gonna score forty. Like I just had a feeling or whatever, and. I didn't take my first shot until like nine minutes or close to 10 minutes in the game and it's two 20 minute halves and then I just went on a rampage. (laughs) And I'm so mad till this day, I'm still mad because like I missed something so easy and I was like, that's probably the 40 point game (laughs) right there. Like I said, as soon as I missed it, I was like, that's probably the 40 point game. And I ended up hitting a game winner and scoring 39. Oh, come on. And yeah, so I was so mad about that. But I, because they, you know, they always criticized me or whatever. My parents always criticized me before and then, you know, gave me the positives. But I said, if I score 40, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything, blah, blah, blah. So I scored 39. So I called my mom first and she was like, no, I didn't call them. I didn't call them. I was like, nope, I'm not calling them. So then my mom called, and then she was like, oh, Twani, I'm so proud of you, blah, blah, blah. I said, I told you I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. So then all of a sudden I hear my dad in the background. He was like, actually, pass me the phone. He was like, you don't want to hear it. You didn't score 40. You scored 39. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. That's so, hilarious. Yeah. He sounds like a legend. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I had great times, great memories with him. Yeah, you have so many good stories. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we could kind of, you know, go through so many of them, but mm-hmm. um, just leaving kind of the listeners with maybe two final questions, and one would be to the parents of athletes. Um, what was it that your parents did that kind of instilled or helped instill that drive that you have? And, like, do you have any advice for parents that are kind of bringing kids up now to say, like, hey, there's tender loving criticism, there's being too hard on a player, and then... You know, something around that. Um, you have to find a balance. I guess you have to find out how that child is. For me, I was always fiery mm-hmm. and live wired. So they knew, like, you know, I was competitive. And, like, I, anytime I played, since I was a little kid, I would play, like, a video game, basketball game, anything. When I was, like, really young. And I lost, I cried, and I was ready to fight. Like, Mm -hmm. I've been a fighter since. So, like, they knew, like, if they challenged me, I was going to, like, you know, where other people, I know, like, some of my teammates um, that I grew up with, they didn't respond to, like, 
loud yelling type of thing but if you talk to them they would perform so you just got to find out like how your your kid is and you know encourage them um let them know when they're they're not doing well and you ex you know you can see that they could do more and you, you they should expect more for themselves and um you know it, it's it's so much that a parent could do but it also the athlete has to do their part and they have to want it yeah that's that's what my dad used to always say and my mom always says till this day you have to want it uh so it's it's you know up to the athlete but you know parents be encouraging um be honest my dad was always honest and my mom was always honest like one time my mom called and she called <laughs> she called me after work or whatever and this was probably when I was in sixth or seventh grade and she was like you know Twani you suck I said Aww. how do you start off that like I said hey mom how's your day at work and she was like you know you suck and I was like this is how we start the conversation but my dad always he would be honest like it was just be right there it caught me off guard when my mom said it mm. but um yeah, be honest with your kids. Um, if there's any way you can help them or find the right trainer or whatever, um, do it. And, you know, they're, they're going to develop into their own person. So as they keep developing into their own person, learn, learn, find out what motivates them and just trying to do that to expand their their game and their life yeah all of those are awesome tips and then um you know for your career you've been dealt a couple cards right and mm -hmm. your head your mindset about it is awesome like it's just keep working put the work in and i absolutely love that and i'm sure this would be something to your response to this question but for kids coming up like what would you instill or what tip would you give them um for them to get to where you are or for them if they're you know whoever far they want to go in this sport like what would be your one kind of advice to them um sacrifices be willing to sacrifice a lot um i sacrifice time with family friends not seeing them and and just dedicating your craft like put in the extra work and do not be complacent um with just the practice time that you have with your team or don't be complacent of having a good game. Always want to be better or be better than yourself. Um, I feel like if you could challenge yourself every day, um, then you could achieve a lot more. Um, you know, obviously you could chase like people like Michael Jordan and blah, 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 but suppose you get to that level are you going to stop or are you going to try to be better than yourself? So as long as you could try to be better than who you are every day, um, then I think you're on the right path. That's awesome. That's yeah. perfect. Um, I wish you so much luck in your career. Like Thank you have you. such a beautiful headspace about all of this. And I think, um, you know, 
hopefully good things will happen but despite like good things are happening right it sounds like thank you and yeah. you're killing it in the league and um yeah stoked to watch some of your games this year and yeah. see how far halifax can go too yeah thank you yeah definitely uh thanks so much for giving me your time and uh, no problem out. thank you for having me yeah it was nice nice chatting with you yeah definitely talk soon Bye. all right what I really liked from what Antoine said today was um, despite kind of all of the things that he's had to overcome for his sport, he just has this beautiful positive attitude and like good things come to good people. It seems to be kind of how he lives his life. So I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Um, you can check him out uh, at Antoine underscore Mason 14 on Instagram and me at sports.cokes.